everyone. Welcome to this reading of the Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil. This is the Friday, December 30th edition here, as brought to you on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. This is the last edition we will read for this year, 2022. So thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service, this afternoon as we approach the end of the year on this Friday, December 30th. This is your reader, by the way. My name is Andrew Halp. Taking a look at some of the headlines before we check in with our forecast for today and the weekend. Back to class. Five Pottawatomie County officials graduate from Leadership Academy. Also a good photo essay here. Gone fishing shows a, a boy and his grandfather out ice fishing. Can't think of any more fun to do than that this time of the year. Also, medical marijuana program grows. Iowa sees more patients and sales in 2022. So those front page stories. But first, we'll take a check of that forecast here for Council Bluffs, Omaha, and the western Iowa area. We can expect for today mostly sunny conditions. Those winds from the south up to 7 miles per hour, high near 40 degrees. For tonight, mostly cloudy skies. Those winds from the south up to 9 miles per hour, low around 29 degrees. Very temperate for this time of the year. For tomorrow, your Saturday, New Year's Eve, partly sunny skies. Winds from the south up to 10 miles per hour, the high near 43. For Saturday night, New Year's Eve night as you're out and about, mostly cloudy, a low around 30 degrees, calm winds. New Year's Day, Sunday, mostly cloudy, a high near 44. And for Sunday night, cloudy, a low around 33. Monday, rain likely, mainly afternoon, but we're not looking at much for snow on Monday. Uh, possible wintry mix on Tuesday, though. Monday, expect a high near 46. Tuesday, that uh, chance of rain and snow, uh, a, a high near 34 degrees. So be careful if you're out and about uh, doing your thing for this time. All right, and uh, you're listening to the reading of the Council of Lost Daily Don Perel. Without further ado, we will get into the reading of this edition. Now, the Friday, December 30th edition. Starting off with back to class, five Potawatomi County officials graduate from Leadership Academy. This written by David Golbitz. A handful of Pottawatomie County officials recently went back to school, and they all graduated with flying colors. At the last County Board of Supervisors meeting of the year on December 27th, the board recognized five county officials who completed a leadership training course offered by the National Association of Counties. The High Performance Leadership Academy is an online 12-week program designed to equip frontline county government employees and elected officials with practical leadership skills that they can take back to their communities. At Pottawatomie County, we believe learning is a lifelong process, Board of Supervisors Chairman Tim Wichman said in a press release. The extensive training these individuals received will be very beneficial in making critical decisions and continuing to provide outstanding service for our residents. The five HPLA graduates are public health epidemiologist Candy Heyer, human resources director Jana Lemrick, finance officer Becky Lenahan, supervisor Justin Schultz, and public health nurse Angela Walker. 
It was really nice for me as a supervisor to go through it because I got a totally different perspective on what's going on in Pottawatomie County, Schultz said at the December 27th board meeting. It really is something that I think this county really ought to keep sending people to. It can do nothing but good for us, and I think the return on investment is going to be seen very quickly with the group of people I went through it with. Lemick agreed, saying, I think we're all better employees for having gone through this training. The program was rigorous at times, but worth the time invested when considering how this will help our department strategize and communicate. The recognition for completing the training came during Schultz's last meeting as a county supervisor after serving two terms. When asked about his time in Pottawatomie County, Schultz demurred and instead spoke about the county employees with whom he worked for the last eight years, according to the press release. There is an awful lot I'm proud of during my time with Pottawatomie County, Schultz said in the press release. There will be time for me to reflect on our successes, but right now, it's not about me. We have outstanding employees, outstanding department leadership, and training our employees through programs like the High Performance Leadership Academy helps out, uh, helps rather put Pottawatomie County in a position to be successful. For more information about the NACO's High Performance Leadership Academy, you can visit naco.org backslash resources backslash education dash and dash training backslash NACO dash high dash performance dash leadership dash academy. That's quite a URL link to throw into there. So um, anyway, if you are hearing this now, um, if you want to take a look at that, you can give me a call and I can send you the link. Thank you very much. Moving on now to medical marijuana program grows. Iowa sees more patients and sales in 2022. This is by Caleb McAuliffe of the Lee Des Moines Bureau airing here in the Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil. Dateline Des Moines. Iowa's medical marijuana program saw growth in 2022, both in increased patients and rising sales at the state's licensed dispensaries. As of November 2022, the number of cardholders in Iowa's program was 14,466, close to double the 7,865 enrolled patients in December of 2021, according to a report from the Iowa Medical Cannabis Oil Board, which administers the program. More healthcare providers are also certifying patients for the program. As of November, 1,920 practitioners had certified a patient at least once, compared to 1,603 in December of 2021. Lucas Nelson, the president of Bud and Mary, said the growth in patients shows an increased need for access in the state, both in the number of dispensaries and the types of products available. Bud and Mary's, previously known as Med Farm, is one of two licensed marijuana manufacturers in Iowa, and op it operates dispensaries in Windsor Heights and Sioux City. It demonstrates that there is a need for those products in the state and that there is a need for more access for people, he said. Sales of the state's five dispensaries in the last year were $10.2 million, compared to $6.1 million in 2021. August 2022 was the very first month in the program's history to bring in more than $1 million in sales. Nelson said Bud and Mary's Sioux City location sees about 50 transactions a day, while the Windsor Heights location handles around 300 transactions a day. The second company, Iowa Cannabis Company, operates dispensaries in Council Bluffs, Waterloo, and Iowa City. 
The Iowa Cannabis Company received a license from the state to begin producing marijuana for the program in 2021 in Cedar Rapids before relocating to Iowa City. The timeline for that facility to be operational is May of 2023, according to the report. Bud and Mary's began working on a $10 million expansion of its production operations this year because of the increased demand, and Nelson said the new facility would be operational in the first quarter of 2023. The new operation will triple the company's production, Nelson said. That's in preparation for where we believe this program is going to head and where we believe it should head, he said. As more people get access, as more people learn about it, hopefully as the legislature helps with assisting us in getting more dispensaries, more product availability, etc., we will be set up and ready for it. Nelson said the company will continue to lobby the state legislature to allow the sale of vaporized flour, which is available in several other states' programs. The change would allow dispensaries to sell whole cannabis flour that patients can vaporize. Iowa's program only allows for the sales of oral, topical, nebulizers, oil vaporizers, and suppository products. Vape products were the most popular of the forms sold at the dispensaries in 2022, accounting for 66% of sales. Since flour is cheaper than the other products to produce, Nelson said the change would lower costs for cardholders and attract more patients to the program. We believe it's a safe, effective method for delivering the molecules, but most importantly, it's going to be more cost-effective, he said. While the board has not recommended that change, Nelson and the board both agree the state needs more licensed dispensaries. State law currently allows for five. It's very, very frustrating for us when we get calls and hear from people who would like to join the program but can't make the trip, Nelson said. They're simply blocked out of it because we've chosen to only allow for five dispensaries. Iowa's delegation weighs votes on $1.7 trillion of government funding package. The Medical Cannabis Oil Board's report recommended removing the number of dispensary licenses from state law and allowing the department to issue more licenses based on evidence-based demand analysis. When it comes to taxes, the board recommended exempting medical marijuana products from sales tax to ease the cost burden on patients. It also advocated a tax tweak that would allow cannabis companies to take business expense deductions for state income taxes. In a technical change, the board recommended changing the state law and by extension the program to the Iowa Medical Cannabis Act from the Iowa Medical Cannabis Oil Act. Cannabis oil, commonly known as CBD, was the main product available when the program started, but a 2020 law removed a THC cap on products and allowed for the sale of high THC products, but with a limit of 4.5 grams of THC per 90 daily purchase in most cases, or 90-day purchase in most cases. THC is the primary chemical in a marijuana plant that causes the quote-unquote high. The name creates confusion around the program, the report said. As law enforcement officers and others don't follow that high THC products are legally available in Iowa. High THC products also made up the bulk of sales with 78% compared to 13.2% balanced THC and CBD and 8.9% high CBD. Nelson said the high sales of THC can be attributed to its effectiveness in treating chronic pain, as well as the availability of CBD online and over-the-counter in Iowa.
With CBD easily available without a medical card, people joining the program are generally seeking higher THC formulas. The name change would reflect scientific reality via inclusion of all cannabinoids, mitigate confusion with program stakeholders, and improve program education, according to the report. And the photo essay on the front page shows gone fishing. It shows a young gentleman with his granddad there, Connor Evans, age 16, with his grandfather, Bruce McFadden, doing some ice fishing as they enjoy an unseasonably warm afternoon at Big Lake Park. That was on Thursday, December 29th, yesterday. Evans is a junior at Lewis Central High School and is currently enjoying his winter break. The two said they're longtime fishing buddies and they love to go angling all across Iowa. And it shows the photo on the right here. Connor Evans scooping ice chunks out of a hole while ice fishing at Big Lake Park on yesterday. And it shows a far back picture here of those two ice fishing. It looks like a lot of fun. Ice fishing is, is quite the thing. Moving on now to page A2 of the Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil. It shows face of the day, Lager the dog, or Logger the dog. Maybe it's pronounced Logger. Courtesy of the Midlands Humane Society, he wants to be your beer buddy. And right now, he and all dogs at Midlands Humane Society are $100 less to adopt until 2023. Logger is a five-year-old black male dog in black and tan. He's a coonhound who is currently available for adoption at Midlands. Shelter staff members say he is a handsome gentleman who would love to be the new addition to your family. He doesn't have much experience with kids, but he is full of love and ready to be a family dog. Normally, his adoption fee is $150, but Midlands kennels are full, and they're trying to find dogs some homes quickly. Through Saturday, all dogs have a $100 discount, so Logger would be just $50 to take home. All adoption costs cover a microchip altering and age-appropriate vaccines. In other shelter news, Midlands is nearing the end of the annual Bark Friday fundraising campaign. They have a goal of $50,000 this year, and they're asking area animal lovers to pitch in from now until the end of 2022. Cash, check, and credit card donations can be made at the shelter at 1020 Railroad Avenue or on their website. The shelter recently announced that during this final week of fundraising, some donors have agreed to match up to $2,650 raised by the end of the year. Those interested in checking out the shelter's animals should take note that Midlands will have different hours with the upcoming holiday weekend. They will be open from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. on New Year's Eve and closed on New Year's Day. Everyone at the shelter wishes Council Bluffs, Pottawatomie County, and all its animals a safe, warm, and happy new year. More information about fostering, volunteering, and donation opportunities can be found at MidlandsHumaneSociety.org or by calling 712-396-2270. Like their Facebook page to keep up with daily shelter news. The shelter can also be found at Midlands Humane on Twitter and Midland, Midlands Humane Society on Instagram. Here in other news on page A2, Capital Notebook, e-cigarette maker Jewel, that name spelled J-U-U-L, Jewel agrees to $5 million settlement over advertising to Iowa youth. Also, Governor Kim Reynolds taps defense attorney as associate judge. From the Gazette Lee Des Moines Bureau, Dateline Des Moines. 
The nation's largest e-cigarette maker, Jewel Labs, Inc., will revamp its advertising and retail practices in Iowa and pay $5 million over a four-year period in order to resolve potential violations of state law. Iowa Attorney General Tom Miller announced the settlement Wednesday to resolve potential violations of Iowa's Deceptive Trade Practices Act. Miller alleges that Iowa youth under the age of 21 were targeted by the company's products and became users in violation of state law. This agreement strikes a balance in truthful advertising and promotions of jewel devices and pods, Miller said in a statement. E-cigarettes should be promoted to smokers as a less harmful alternative, but not to youth. As part of the agreement, Jewel will sp- send $1.25 million each year to the Iowa Department of Health and Human Services. The funding will be used to provide resources and education to Iowa youth under the age of 21 targeted by the company's products who became users, including assistance in quitting e-cigarette use. The company, which denies any wrongdoing, also agrees, among other provisions, to not target youth in Iowa with advertising, promotion, or marketing of Jewel products, requiring individuals to be age-verified on any website it owns or operates rates, not display jewel products anywhere in retail locations other than behind the counter or allow customers to access products without the assistance of employees, limit online transactions to no more than two jewel devices per month, 10 jewel devices per year, and 60 jewel pods per month. Take reasonable steps to limit retail transactions in Iowa to one jewel device and or 16 jewel pods per transaction not sell items to consumers who are under 21 years of age, and lastly, disclose the amount of nicotine content in its products. The company also agrees to designate a company officer to ensure its agreement with the Iowa Attorney General's office is followed and to address compliance-related issues. Jewel Labs sought guidance from Miller in 2018, who the company tapped as part of its initiative to keep its products out of the hands of young people. The e-cigarette maker announced in April of 2018 that it would support state and federal initiatives to raise the minimum purchasing age for tobacco products as part of a $30 million initiative over the next three years. Part of that funding included research in a panel of former attorneys general and public health officials and experts assembled and led by Miller, who has a record of taking on the tobacco industry. The advisory group was independent of Juul and neither he nor its members were compensated in any way according to a spokesperson for the Attorney General's office. The group made recommendations to Jewel that were similar to those that ended up in the settlement. The advisory group was disbanded, and A.G. Miller's involvement ended in late 2018. In 1998, Miller and other attorneys general of 45 other states signed a settlement agreement with the four largest tobacco companies in the United States to settle suits on state health care costs associated with treating smoking-related illnesses. The agreement, the largest in U.S. history, called for companies to pay the 46 states $206 billion over 25 years and continue annual payments after that based on the number of cigarettes sold nationwide. The state has received more than $1.41 billion in payments in the past 24 years under the Master Settlement Agreement. Schrock appointed Associate Judge. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds this week appointed Brandon Schrock to be a district associate judge in Iowa's 6th Judicial District. Schrock, age 43 of North Liberty, most recently has worked as a criminal defense lawyer in Johnson County for Lynn County Advocate, a Cedar Rapids-based nonprofit. He will fill a vacancy created by Judge Deborah Farmer Minot, who is retiring. Schrock received his undergraduate degree and law degree from the University of Iowa. 
The 6th Judicial District covers Benton, Iowa, Johnson, Jones, Lynn, and Tama counties. In other news, international news from the Associated Press, Afghan women determined and frustrated after Taliban NGO ban. That's written by Riazat Butt. Dateline Kabul, Afghanistan. Even before the Taliban barred Afghan women from working at non-governmental groups, their forces visited the office of one local organization in the capital, Kabul, several times to check female staff were obeying rules on dress codes and gender segregation. Already, the women in the office had been extra careful, hoping to avoid problems with the Taliban. They wore longer clothes and masks along with the Islamic headscarf and stayed separate from male co-workers in the workspace and at meals, one female NGO employee told the Associated Press. We even changed our office arrival and departure times because we didn't want to be followed by the Taliban, she said, speaking on condition her name, job title, and the name of her organization not be used for fear of reprisals. That wasn't enough. On Saturday, Taliban authorities announced the exclusion of women from NGOs, allegedly because they weren't wearing the headscarf or hijab correctly. The move prompted international aid agencies to halt operations in Afghanistan, raising the possibility that millions of people will be left without food, education, health care, and other critical services during the harsh winter months. The major aid agencies on Thursday warned that Afghans will die because of the Taliban order, and stressed that female staff are crucial for the delivery of life-saving humanitarian assistance across war-battered Afghanistan. The Agency Coordinating Development and Relief Work in Afghanistan, ACBAR, estimates that many of its 183 national and international members have suspended, stopped, or reduced their humanitarian activities and services since the order came into effect. Moving on to more news now on page A3. Forecast, the weekend welcomes decent weather. Maybe I should have read this at the beginning of the program. And you know what? I might just read this one at the end. This will be a nice way to finish things off. So why don't we move on now to page A4. My pet world, dog eats from other dogs bull. This is a lifestyles column. A Dear Kathy column. Dear Kathy, I have two dogs, a Scotty who is 12 years old and a Westie who is two and a half. When I feed them, the Westie does not eat until the Scotty tries to eat the Westie's food. I have to hover over the younger dog's food to ensure the Scotty doesn't eat it. Sometimes the younger dog gets distracted and doesn't eat her food right away, and the Scotty eats it. The Scotty is somewhat overweight, so eating from both bowls is not good. The younger dog is not interested in eating in her crate. That written by Elizabeth in Norfolk, Virginia. Dear Elizabeth, with dogs there is often a pecking order in who eats first. It sounds like the Scotty is the alpha dog in the relationship so the Westie waits for the Scotty to finish before starting his meal. The problem is the Scotty moves in before the Westie is ready to eat and gobbles it all up. There are a few solutions to this problem. First, you can continue to monitor them while eating. Many pet owners must do this if there is a pet in the house with an insatiable appetite. Second, you can feed them in separate locations. This can be in different rooms or crates. I know you said the younger dog is not interested in eating in her crate, but this is unusual. Dogs usually eat whatever and whenever food is placed in front of them. If your Westie is not interested in the food, try a different dog food or mix a more pungent 
wet food or a few treats to tempt her. It was genu- genuinely in inappetence. Well, that'd be lack of appetite. Your vet may prescribe some medication to stimulate her appetite again. Finally, if the Westie is healthy and no inappetence, medication is recommended, then the easiest solution is to purchase automatic feeders for each of them. With automatic feeders, a Scotty can stand in front of the Westie's food bowl all day long, and the feeder won't open. The feeder is connected to a dog's microchip, so it will only open when your Westie stands in front of the one you programmed for him. These automatic feeders can cost between $50 and $140 each, but they are worth it when an insatiable eater is in the house. Dear Kathy, we know our 13-year-old female spayed Australian cattle dog is having hearing issues. She starts vocalizing, backing up, and barking as an attention getter right after 5 p.m. and continues throughout the evening until well after our bedtime. This behavior lasts until we take her outside. She always urinates or at least acts like she is doing that. She has an affinity for sunflower seeds under the bird feeder and uh, bunny refuse, which may add to her desire to go outside. She'll come in and be good for two to three hours, then the vocalizing starts again. Both our dogs go out at midnight at 3 a.m. and between 5.30 and 6 a.m. After that, she acts normal until 5 p.m. that day. She was diagnosed with early Cushing's disease and is on prion for incontinence, which has resolved. Both dogs drink a fair amount of water, and I don't want to deny water or trips outside. She isn't totally deaf, but the hearing loss is noticeable. Wondering if that is a contributing factor and if there may be some doggy dementia. What is going on? That written by Keith Winnicani in Wisconsin. Dear Keith, it's not unusual for a dog's activity to increase in the evening, especially if its owner has been working all day. My dog naps during the day but is excited and barks a lot in the evening to get my attention and me to play with him. It's also not unusual for a dog with hearing problems to bark more. The medication may cause increased thirst, which results in more requests to go outside and restlessness, which sounds a little like what you are describing. So you may be dealing with several things here. Since the barking in the evening occurs around the time she needs to go out again, there may be a correlation between the medicine and her evening behaviors. Talk to your vet about what's going on. Maybe if the medication is administered at a different time of the day, it can help reduce her evening vocalizations and restlessness. Well, on this day in history, December 30th, we have a highlight in this uh, Reading of the Council Bluffs to Daily non it's on page A4. On December 30th, 1903, about 600 people died when fire broke out at a recently opened Iroquois Theater in Chicago. On this date in 1813, British troops burned Buffalo, New York during the War of 1812. In 1853, the United States and Mexico signed a treaty under which the U.S. agreed to buy some 45,000 square miles of land from Mexico for $10 million in a deal known as the Gadsden Purchase, or Gadsden Purchase. In 1860, 10 days after South Carolina seceded from the Union, the state militia seized the United States arsenal in Charleston. In 1922, Vladimir Lenin proclaimed the establishment of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, which lasted nearly seven decades before dissolving in December 1991. In 1954, Olympic gold medal runner 
Malvin G. Whitfield became the first black recipient of the James E. Sullivan Award for Amateur Athletes. In 1994, a gunman walked into a pair of suburban Boston abortion clinics and opened fire, killing two employees. John C. Salvi III was later convicted of murder. He died in prison and apparent suicide. In 2004 on this date, a fire broke out during a rock concert at a nightclub in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I think I'm saying that right. Buenos Aires, I can't say it today. Buenos Aires, Argentina killing 194 people. Pardon the uh, pronunciation. In 2006, a state funeral service was held in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda for former President Gerald R. Ford. In 2009, seven CIA employees and a Jordanian intelligence officer were killed by a suicide bomber at a U.S. base in coast Afghanistan. In 2015, Bill Cosby was charged with drugging and sexually assaulting a woman at his suburban Philadelphia home in 2004. Cosby's first trial ended in a mistrial after jurors deadlocked. He was convicted on three charges at his retrial in April 2018 and was sentenced to three to ten years in prison. But the Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned the conviction in June 2021 and Cosby went free. In 2020, Republican Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri said he would raise objections when Congress met to affirm Joe Biden's victory, forcing House and Senate votes. President Donald Trump asked the Supreme Court to overturn his election loss in Wisconsin. It was his second unsuccessful appeal in as many days to the high court over the result in the battleground state. Don Wells, who played the wholesome Marianne on the 1960s sitcom Gilligan's Island, who is friends with Man Cow, died in Los Angeles at age 82 from what her publicist said were causes related to COVID-19. And 10 years ago, a tour bus crashed on an icy Oregon highway, killing nine passengers and injuring nearly 40 on Interstate 84 east of Pendleton. Those notes from the Associated Press on this day in history, December 30th. Well, we're a little past the halfway point here in this reading of the Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil. Reminding you that you are listening to IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. All material heard here on IRIS is intended solely for the use of our audience. This is your reader filling in. My name is Andrew Haupt. If you have any comments on this or any other IRIS program, please give us a call at 515-243-6833. And now we'll take a look at today's obituaries. The first for Rodney Charles, Mr. Grapp Jr. Rodney Charles, known as Mr. Rodney Charles Grapp Jr., Age 39, was born November 17, 1983, to Rodney and Jennifer Grapp in Council Bluffs, Iowa. He passed away December 27, 2022. Rodney graduated from Glenwood High School in 2002. After graduation, he attended Iowa Central Community College to further his education and continue wrestling. After college, he started his career in ammonia refrigeration. The loves of his life were his children, Evan, age 18, and Brianne, age 12, along with Jackson, age 10. Rodney never smiled as brightly as when he was with his children. He was an avid sports fan and never missed a chance to brag about his beloved Iowa Hawkeyes. Rodney was also proud of his gun collection and enjoyed shooting them any chance he got. He loved spending time with his parents, siblings, cousins, and many friends. Rodney is preceded in death by grandparents. Donovan and Carmela Grapp, 
Gene and Thelma Ulmer, Darlene and Bill Pond, and Bill Lampkins. He was survived by his wife, Nicole Cook, children Evan, Brianne, and Jackson Grapp, parents Rodney and Jennifer Grapp, sisters Lisa, married to Winton Sherry, Joey, married to Chad Wicks, Samantha Grapp, nieces and nephews, Savannah, Anthony, Alexa, Reagan, Addison, Cadence, Chloe, and Jacoby, many other loving family and friends. Memorial service Monday, 2 p.m. with visitation starting one hour prior at 1 p.m. at the Cutler, Cutler O'Neill Meyer Woodring Bayless Park Chapel. Interment is in the Garner Township Cemetery. From there we go to Janine A. Davis, age 86. Janine A. Davis of Crescent, Iowa, passed away December 23, 2022 at Lakeside Hospital in Omaha. Janine was born February 20, 1936 in Ottawa, Iowa, to the late Frances Olson Bigelow and her biological father, Bruce Bigelow, who passed away before Janine was born. Janine was an insurance agent for Redland and Associates for many years. She married Jerry D. Davis on June 24, 1989. He passed away on November 11, 2015. In addition to her parents, Janine was preceded in death by her dad, Cyril Bigelow, and sister, Ruth, married to Dwayne Baker. Janine is survived by her daughter, Toby Kindred, sons, Bruce, married to Ruth Kindred, all of Omaha, Alan, married to Karen Kindred of Sydney, Iowa, seven grandchildren, 17 great-grandchildren, brother, Frank, married to Pat Bigelow of Crescent, Iowa, nieces and nephews, funeral service, will be Monday at 11 a.m. at the Cutler O'Neill Meyer Woodring Bayless Park Chapel. A lunch will immediately follow in the Cutler O'Neill Community Room. Interment will follow in the Harrison Cemetery of Whiting, Iowa. The family will direct memorial contributions. From there, we go to Darlene Haywood Birdsell Lucier. Darlene Haywood Birdsell Lucier, that last name spelled L-U-S-S-I-E-R, age 91 passed away on December 24, 2022. She was born in Council Bluffs, Iowa on February 13, 1931, a daughter to the late Bertha Ida, maiden name Neve, N-E-V-E, and William F. Haywood. She is predeceased by her first husband, Raymond Birdsell, in 1980. She remarried Raymond L. Lucier in 1982, who recently predeceased her. Darlene was a woman of strong faith, there will be calling hours held at the Griswold Funeral Home and Crematory, former Leffler Funeral Home, at 30 North Main Street in Jewett City on Wednesday, December 28th from 4 to 6 p.m. A funeral service will be held at the Lighthouse Church on Thursday, December 29th at 10 a.m. Burial to follow in the Pechog Cemetery in Griswold. You can visit the website www.griswold.com. G-R-I-S-W-O-L-D-Funerals.com. And I don't see any death notices to bring you, so we will continue on with a few brief news stories before we switch off to opinions, if we can find them, or sports. I think we're looking at sports today. I don't see any opinions in the paper. Actually, you know what? I tell you what I'm going to do. I've got some church news here. I think you all might want to hear some of that. So why don't I bring you that, and then we'll switch over to some sports. We don't really have much for local sports news other than some photos, so um, I think we'll do it that way today. All right, church news. At the Lighthouse Bible Church, located at 2136 Fifth Avenue, invites 
They invite the community to participate in a live worship service at 10.30 a.m. on Sundays. The Sunday sermon is pre-recorded and can be viewed on the website, lighthousemc.com. Dress is casual and coffee and refreshments are provided. Upcoming events, prayer and study, 7 p.m. Wednesdays. Mount Hope United Methodist Church, located at 290th and Highway 6 of McClelland, would like to invite all to join us on Sunday mornings for our worship service at 9.30 a.m. Children are welcome in the regular worship service and the children's sermon during the worship service. You do not have to be a member to participate in church activities. Everyone is welcome. At Gethsemane Presbyterian Church, located at 224 Wallace Avenue, they welcome you to join them on Sunday, January 1st at 2023. That would be two days from now. The service runs from 9 to 10 a.m. Adult Bible study meets on Mondays and Thursdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Our church is collecting Iowa 5-cent refund cans and bottles for one of our mission projects, the Canesville Honor Guard Society. Your donations help. Bags can be dropped off anytime at our front door. Our food pantry is open on Mondays and Thursdays until 10.30 a.m. Donations are welcome. For more, for more information, you can contact the church office at 712-366-2513 or visit them on Facebook. Timothy Lutheran Church. Timothy Lutheran Church, located at 3112 West Broadway, offers services at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sundays. The church alternates between traditional services and praise services each week. Bible study and Sunday school at 9.15 a.m. If a month has a fifth Sunday, the church hosts a combined service at 9 a.m., food and fellowship after service on fifth Sundays, and there is no Bible study or Sunday school on those days. The church is handicapped accessible. For more information, visit the church website, timothylutheran.net. I think that's LCMS Lutheran from what I saw uh, on their logo. St. Paul's Evangelical Country Church. They ring in the church bell each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. to welcome people to worship at 11055 Dumfries Avenue. There are directional signs from Wabash Avenue to Pioneer Trail leading to the church. We are a growing, caring, friendly, Bible-teaching church led by Pastor Jason Kinney. Sunday school for all ages, including adults, starts at 915. Following worship, you can enjoy donuts and coffee in the Fellowship Hall. This Sunday, the message is titled Wisdom from Above, and they will be continuing through the book of James using chapters 3, verses 13 to 18, as a, the Bible reference. Greeters will be Jan and Dave Clayton. The youth group will have a New Year's party on Sunday from 6 to 10 p.m. Youth group will meet again on Wednesday at 7 p.m. You can visit their website at www.stpaulsecc.org for more information. They are handicapped accessible. The Underwood Lutheran Church. On Sunday, January 1st, Underwood Lutheran Church at 10-3rd Avenue will hold Sunday activities. In-person worship featuring Holy Communion begins at 10-15 a.m. The online video will be available later in the day. Pastor Scott Dalen will deliver a sermon based on Matthew chapter 2, verses 13-23. to Compass Christian Church welcomes you to worship them on Sundays at 10-30 a.m. They're located at 2007 South 7th Street, just west of the South Expressway. The church is handicap accessible. During worship, a cry room is available, along with child care for children ages 1 to 4. Compass Kids grades K through 5 meet downstairs for special Bible lessons during the sermon. You may also worship with us at compasscb.online.church or on YouTube. 
The men's and women's Bible study groups will not meet on January 2nd. Both will resume on January 9th from 7 to 8 p.m. The Bridge Young Adults will not meet on the first Tuesday of January, but will meet again on the third Tuesday, January 17th. Students in grades 6 through 12 and children grades K through 5 meet Wednesdays from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. For questions or more information, you can visit their Facebook page, Compass Christian Church on CB on Facebook, or call 712-366-9112. Broadway United Methodist Church, First Street and Broadway, is seeking, growing, and serving with unconditional love and acceptance. On New Year's Day, we will hold one combined service at 9.30 a.m. Our services are held in person and live streamed to their Facebook page, on BroadwayUnitedMethodist.com. The Blue Christmas service has been postponed until Wednesday, January 4th at 7 p.m. On Mondays, Phillips Cupboard is open noon to 2 p.m. The office will be closed January 2nd. On Wednesday, Praise Band Rehearsal will be held at 5.30 p.m., followed by a community meal at 6 and Foundation's age-level small group and ministries at 6.30. There will be no choir or bell choir on January 4th. The Men's Brown Bag Bible Study will be held Thursday at noon. On Fridays, the church office is closed, but Phillips Covered, a non-food pantry, is open noon to 2 p.m. For more information, visit the website at broadwayunitedmethodist.com or call the office 712-322-7741, but not today because it notes it is closed on Fridays. The office at Broadway United Methodist Church is closed on Fridays. Fifth Avenue United Methodist Church. Fifth Avenue United Methodist Church, located at 1800 Fifth Avenue, invites the public to participate in live worship service at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. The Sunday worship service will be recorded live and can be viewed on their Facebook page, Fifth Avenue UMC Council Bluffs. Upcoming events, meal and message at 6 p.m. on January 11th. Soup, supper, and game night will be January 20th at 6 p.m. Meal and message will be held again on January 25th at 6 p.m. The church office can be reached at 712-323-7374 or through our email at fifthavenuechurch at gmail.com. Bethany Presbyterian Church, located at 1900 South 7th Street, will have worship at 11 a.m. with Pastor Nancy Ross Hollinger's message that will be the wise men. There will be a children's chat. This is a communion slash pantry Sunday. We are a handicap accessible facility is what it says. Community of Christ Church. Community of Christ Church located at 140 West Canesville Boulevard invites people to attend Sunday worship at 1015 a.m. You, their theme is uh, listen and respond. Scripture readings will be Matthew 2, 13 to 23, Isaiah 63, 7 to 9, and Psalm 148, along with Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 18. Sunday school starts at 9.15 a.m. They also have a prayer service Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Please call our office at 712-323-4498 for any questions. There are virtual ministries out on our World Church website under Ongoing Ministries at www.cofchrist.org. Epworth United Methodist Church. Have a happy new year, everyone. Epworth United Methodist Church, located at 2447 Avenue B, worships on Sundays at 925 a.m. The people are friendly, the worship is meaningful, and the building is handicap accessible. We also invite you to our Bible study on Thursdays at 9 a.m. 
We plan to start 2023 fasting and praying during the first two weeks of January, closing with a prayer service on Saturday, January 14th at 10 a.m. We continue to pray for the healing of our community and nation under God. If you want us to pray for you personally, let us know. Office hours are 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. Phone 712-323-3124. You can find us on Facebook at Friends of Epworth UMC Facebook. There we go to Faith Lutheran Church, uh, LCMS, that'd be Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, at 2100-2100 South 11th Street. They invite you to join them for traditional worship with Holy Communion at their 9 a.m. Sunday service. The Operation Barnabas donation box will be out to accept contributions from the congregation towards mission support projects for U.S. veterans and Armed Forces members and their families. On Tuesday, there is a 9.30 a.m. adult Bible study in the downstairs fellowship hall that is open to everyone. Please enter by the rear door. On Wednesday, there is praise team at 5.30 p.m., but no confirmation classes. The LWML will meet Thursday at 1 p.m. for a contemporary Bible study with Pastor Ron, followed by a brief business meeting to discuss potential and ongoing mission projects in the community and around the world through LWML Might Donations. All women of the congregation are invited to attend. Worship services are available on Faith's Facebook page and on YouTube by searching for Ron Rosenkamer. That last name spelled R-O-S-E-N-K-A-I-M-E-R. For more information, you can contact the church office at 323-6445. New Horizon Presbyterian Church will hold one service at 9.30 a.m. on January 1st. Communion will be served. We will resume our regular three-service schedule on Sunday, January 8th and 9th. I'm sorry, January 8th at 8 and 9 at 11 a.m. There we go. Sunday school will also resume on January 8th with a multi-grade age group meeting at 10 a.m. And adult Sunday school meetings at 10 a.m. in the Hearth Room. One note about this church here, I might have said this wrong. Uh, Sunday, January 8th, their services are at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and 11 o'clock all in the morning. Adult Sunday school meetings at 10 in the Hearth Room. The church office will be closed on Monday, January 2nd. Deacons will meet Thursday, January 5th at 6 p.m. Sunday services are available on their Facebook page at New Horizon Presbyterian Church but they're just having one service this coming Sunday, January 1st at 9.30 a.m. Next Sunday, January 8th, they go back to services at 8, 9, and 11 a.m. with adult Sunday school and uh, the normal the normal way of things. From there, we go to Westminster Presbyterian Church. At 517 South 32nd Street, welcoming everyone to join them for worship on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We are handicapped accessible through the northeast door of the church. Corpus Christi Catholic Parish, you are invited to the celebration of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. All are welcome. Readings for December 31st and January 1st, the octave day of Christmas solemnity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, include numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27, 22 through 27, Psalm 67, verses 2 and 3, 5 and 6 and 8, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and Luke chapter 2, verses 16 through 21. 
Our weekend mass in English is celebrated on Saturday at 4 p.m. and Sunday at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. in Council Bluffs and at 9.30 a.m. in Carter Lake. Our Sunday Spanish Mass is at noon. That's in Council Bluffs. Daily Mass is celebrated as follows. In English on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 8 a.m. in Council Bluffs. And in Spanish on Monday and Thursday at 6 p.m. in Council Bluffs. Eucharistic Adoration is held every Monday and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5.40 p.m. at Corpus Christi Queen of Apostles. Corpus Christi Queen of Apostles located at 3304 4th Avenue in Council Bluffs and Corpus Christi Our Lady of Carter Lake at 3501 North 9th Street in Carter Lake. For more information, call the parish office at 712-323-2916 or 712-323-4716. That's the Spanish number, that last, that later number. Or visit our parish website at www.corpuschristiparishiowa.org. From there, we go to Emanuel Lutheran Church, located at 2444 North Broadway. Welcomes everyone to come as you are and be who you are. You are invited to join us each Sunday for worship at 9.30 a.m. Other events this week include Tai Chi Monday at 10 a.m. in the Youth Center, Bible Study Thursday at 9.30 a.m. in the Conference Room, and Tai Chi Thursday at 10 a.m. in the Youth Center. You can follow them on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube to stay up to date on the events and view the live stream services. Or visit them online, emanuelcb.org. There, there we go to St. John Lutheran Church. St. John Lutheran Church, 633 Willow Avenue, will hold worship at 5.30 p.m. on Saturday and 9.30 a.m. on Sunday. Worship is also available to watch on YouTube. The website is www.stjohnelca.org, and our Facebook page is St. John Lutheran Church Council Bluffs. Wednesday morning Bible study meets at 9 a.m., and Wednesday evening Bible study meets at 6.30 p.m. The bell choir practices at 6.30 p.m. Wednesdays, and the chancel choir starts practice at 7.30 p.m. Confirmation students and high school youths also meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. The building is handicapped accessible. Please call the church office with any questions, 712-323-7173. There we go to Broadway Christian Church. That's the Disciples of Christ Church. The Reverend Carol Hall and members of our congregation invite you to join us for Sunday worship at 9 a.m. at Broadway Christian Church located at 2658 Avenue A. They celebrate communion weekly. Communion is open to all. A hearing loop is installed for those who need it. Guests are invited to join us in fellowship after worship for coffee and donuts. Overeaters Anonymous meets Mondays at noon. Alcoholics Anonymous meets Thursday or rather Tuesdays. Alcoholics Anonymous meets Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If I can say those two words together, it's not working out so well for me today. And Fridays at 7:30 p.m. The church is ADA accessible. To submit prayer requests or for more information, you can call the church office at 712-323-7741 or email the, uh, them at uh, office at bccb, or I'm going to say that again, office at bccb.org. Visit them online at bccb.org or on Facebook. That's for, that's for the Broadway Christian Church. Then we go to First Congregational UCC Church. Come and join us for worship at 10.30 a.m. Sunday at First Congregational Church. That's the United Church of Christ Church. 
located at 611 First Avenue. Coffee is available. Our service is also provided via Zoom. Please email the church for information on how to join the Zoom meetings at cbfirstcong at gmail.com. First Congregational offers a free community dinner the last Friday of each month. Everyone is welcome. Come and enjoy a meal and fellowship. All right, two more here. Our Savior's Lutheran Church, located at 600 Bluff Street, can be reached at 712-322-6655. Everyone is welcome. Saturday evening worship is at 530. There is what will be no Sunday school or worship service on New Year's Day. For more information, see our Facebook page under Our Savior Lutheran Church of Council Bluffs or the website at Our Savior OurSaviorsCB.org. Other activities this week include Al-Anon meetings Monday and Wednesday at 6 p.m. in the Education Building. On Thursday, the Bell Choir practices at 6.30 p.m. and choir at 7.30. Food Pantry and Pet Food Pantry Thursday at 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. To schedule an appointment, please call the Food Pantry directly at 712-522-3522 on the day of the pantry. And lastly, St. Paul's Episcopal Church located at 22 Dillman Drive in Council Bluffs. Their services are held each Sunday morning beginning at 11 a.m. And we invite visitors to attend and share with us these very enjoyable and enlightening services. For additional information, please contact the church, 712-323-7188. Those are your church announcements here on IRIS for Council Bluffs. Moving on now to the world of sports. Only local stuff here is a photo essay. It shows Lewis Central's Riley McMurphy competing in the 100 freestyle, boys 100 freestyle event as the uh, Lewis Central boys swim team hosts the Papillion La Vista boys and girls teams and the Omaha Duchesne girls team for a meet at Titan Pool on Tuesday, December 6th. Another one is of Lewis Central's Mason Clark competing in the boys 200-yard medley relay event as the Lewis Central boys team hosts the Papillion boys and girls team. I, I think these are all the exact same headline here, or uh, caption rather. So um, I'll just tell you that it's got some photos of, uh, we have Aaron Matolka swimming, competing. We have a photo of Jimmy Koch competing in the boys 200-yard freestyle. Lewis Central's Gavin Rothmeyer competing in the boys 200-yard medley relay. And also Jackson Murphy competing in the boys' 100-yard butterfly event. Am I missing anybody? We had Riley McMurphy competing in the boys' 100-yard freestyle. Mason Clark competing in the boys' 200-yard medley relay. And I think that's everybody. Aaron Matolka was uh, there, too. And the Papillion, La Vista, Evan Click, both of those two in the photo competing in the boys' 200-yard freestyle event at that meet on Tuesday, December 6th. That's all we really have for local sports in this episode. We don't really have enough to uh, bring you the rest, but I'll bring you that weather story here really fast, um, as promised. Forecast, the weekend welcomes decent weather. Temperatures are manageable as we head into the weekend. 
Highs in the 40s coupled with sunshine should make for decent weather. Today will be mostly sunny with a high near 40 degrees, according to the National Weather Service. A calm wind picks up a bit in the morning. Tonight will be mostly cloudy with a low around 29 degrees and slightly stronger winds. Saturday's forecast is similar. Clouds are expected Sunday, but the high will climb to 46 to ring in the new year. The forecast, according to the Weather Service, today mostly sunny with a high near 40 degrees in Council Bluffs. Calm wind becoming south 5 to 8 miles per hour in the morning. Tonight, mostly cloudy conditions with low around 29 degrees. South, southeast wind 8 to 10 miles per hour. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 41. South winds 6 to 10 miles per hour with a gust as high as 17 miles per hour. Saturday night, mostly cloudy with a low around 28. South, southeast wind around 5 miles per hour, becoming calm after midnight. Sunday, mostly cloudy with a high near 46. Sunday night, mostly cloudy with a low around 34. Monday, rain likely, mainly afternoon, cloudy with a high near 50 degrees. Monday night, rain likely, mainly before midnight, mostly cloudy, a low around 28. Tuesday, January 3rd. A slight chance of snow before noon, mostly cloudy, high near 36, breezy conditions. Tuesday night, mostly cloudy with a low around 21. Wednesday, partly sunny with a high near 30. Wednesday night, partly cloudy, a low around 17. And Thursday, mostly sunny with a high near 32. All right, with all that being read and said, you've been listening to this reading and episode of the Council Bluffs Daily non the last one of 2022 here on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. I'm your reader filling in. My name is Andrew Haupt. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining us and tuning in here to Iris. Have a great day, everyone. Happy New Year and straight ahead.